The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say, they were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, today in the first reading we hear this story of Abraham going to sacrifice his son, and it always strikes me because Abraham's story is so interesting. You know, he has this experience of being called from his own land to go to the promised land sort of gives everything up and goes and just follows blindly as he goes to the promised land. And he was given this promise by the Lord, I will give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There must have been this great sense of being chosen by God in that moment. Or a sense of being special, a sense that the Lord has a plan for me. And I'm following that plan. But then as time goes on, his wife doesn't seem to be conceiving any children. And he's getting older and older and older. And eventually, at a certain point, he, he says, well, the Lord said I would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore, and so we don't have any children. And he and his wife decide that he will have a child with their slave woman, Hagar. And he kind of decides he's going to fulfill God's plan in his own way. That he's going to fulfill it in his own way. That he's going to do his own thing. Like, like, I know this is what God wants for me, and this must be the way. 
And then the Lord says to him, that's not the way. And some years later, finally, his wife conceives in her old age and he finally has this progeny. He finally has the beginning of the fulfillment of that promise. And the Lord says, I want you to go and kill that son now. And so his life is this sort of back and forth and back and forth of, of like, what does it mean to do the will of God? And, and what does it mean to follow him? And, and the struggle in his own heart between really following and trusting the Lord or trying to figure out his own way. And this is sort of the last straw for him. And he finally surrenders. He finally gives up and he finally decides to do that thing that, that really seems counterintuitive. It's, it seems like the wrong thing. And he's, he's going up the mountain with his son and his son says, well, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And he just says that the Lord will, the Lord will provide the lamb. And at the final moment in his willingness, the angel stops him. One of my professors in grad school, he would talk about this scene as the moment in which Abraham truly became our father in faith. In this moment in which Abraham truly turned his entire heart, his entire life over to the care of God. This moment of ultimate surrender. And his story is not unlike lots of our stories. Lots of our stories are like, I want to do God's will. And, and I hear that from people all the time. Like, I want to do God's will. And, and yet there's this struggle in our own hearts between like doing what we think is God's will and really surrendering to the care of God, surrendering to what our Lord desires and looking for what our Lord desires and being open to the fact that the Lord might have a plan that I don't even really know about or really comprehend. Because that's where conversion happens. Conversion happens when, when we really have turned our entire heart over to our Lord. That's the goal, and that's the goal of this Lenten season, to turn our entire heart over to our Lord. I'm really grateful for, for my friends who are in addiction recovery because in addiction recovery, like, it's really about surrendering your life and it's really about just turning your whole heart over to our Lord and being transformed in him. And a lot of people say that, like, the, the critical moment is when I decide to do the thing that I don't want to do. Right? I decide to do the thing that I don't want to do. Which is much like Abraham doing the thing that he doesn't want to do. And it might be that somebody is just on the edge that they just don't want to go to that 12-step meeting. And that's like the last thing that they ever want. And then they finally say, okay, I give up. I'm going to go to that thing. Or I just don't want to disclose my life to another person. I want to solve all this really in a private way. And I just want to like pray my way through it. And I don't want to have to tell anybody that I've been transformed. And then they realize eventually, like, none of this is working, and then they finally turn their whole heart over. In our own spiritual lives, that's, that's really how it works, that the Lenten season is, is really about doing things that we don't want to do. 
or not doing the things that we want to do. But the purpose is to turn our entire life over to the Lord. And the goal is what happens to Jesus on the mountain as he's transfigured. That's the goal for all of us to be transfigured as he was transfigured. Where the power of God, the power of the Father, in union with the Holy Spirit, so infused his body that his clothes were dazzling white in front of them. And his true union with the Father was revealed. Because in the life of Jesus, he is always only doing the Father's will. Even in those moments of struggle in his own heart, in, his own, in those moments in his own heart where he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He says, not my will be done, but yours. And that's the goal. And, and for ourselves during this Lenten season, every time we're tempted to break our fasting or our abstinence or the thing that we gave up, if you're a young person, every time you're tempted to watch TV, if you gave up TV, every time you're tempted to eat chocolate, if you gave up ch- chocolate, it's a time to say, not my will be done, but yours. It's a time to turn to our Lord as our refuge. Because we're really just trying to make space in our hearts so that that will of God, that movement of the Spirit comes and animates our entire life. And the Father tells the apostles how this happens because at this moment the Father says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. And when he says listen to him, it's an invitation to that kind of surrender. It's, a, it's an invitation to say, I don't know the way, but our Lord knows the way. Whatever I've been trying to do to fix myself, it's not going to work. I'm going to allow our Lord to do that for me. In a real powerful way, those, that's the experience of Peter, because Peter sort of says, let us set up three booths as if, like, this is the end. This is it. And then Jesus, walking down the mountain, says, don't tell anybody about this until I've risen from the dead. What the heck does that mean? I guess I have to listen to him. Listening is that disposition of surrender. Listening is what we do when I don't know everything. And I'm going to allow somebody else to inform my life. And so again, the purpose of our Lenten fasting is to create space for listening. And one of the questions we can ask ourselves right now is, who am I listening to? Am I listening to our Lord? Or am I listening to the news? Or am I listening to my friends? Or am I listening to this faction or that faction? Am I listening to our Lord? Because his voice has to take priority in our lives. 
which is another lesson learned from people in addiction recovery because they also, they also often say conversion doesn't happen until this becomes the most important thing in your day and you plan your whole day around this instead of planning this around your day. Do we plan our own lives around our conversion and growing in holiness and growing in relationship with our Lord, or do we sort of like fit it in where we can amidst the rest of our schedule? And Lent is about reordering that so that it becomes the most important thing in our day and everything else is planned around it. You know, when we look at our schedule for the day, like when am I going to pray today? I need to get that, like that's the first priority and then I'll figure out everything else. When am I going to listen today? How am I going to surrender my heart to our Lord today? In faith and knowing that he knows better than I do what my life is supposed to look like. He knows better than I do where my happiness comes from. He knows better than I do what's best for my children, for my brother, for my sister. When we come to know that, we reach that place of conversion. And, and like Abraham, we become men and women of faith. And it sets us on that path towards Transformation, which isn't as dramatic as what we see in today's gospel as our Lord is transfigured. But the goal is that it is noticeable to others. It's noticeable to others that others look at us and they say, there's something different going on there. And I want that. And so today, brothers and sisters, let us just pray for the grace to Continue this Lenten journey towards that transformation, towards that transfiguration. That our Lord will move our hearts to prioritize him above everything else. That we may truly learn to listen. To surrender our life to him. And to radiate his life, his mercy, his love, his peace. Each and every day and every moment of each day of our lives.